welcome to Mentality. I'm Camera, And my name is Zach. And today we have a wonderful guest on, Katie Morton, an amazing YouTuber and author of Are You Okay? We're very excited to explore this. Katie? Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, thank you for coming. And today I want to introduce the tea that we're having as well. So today is from Tea Spectral. We are having forest tea. This has orange and cinnamon and juniper and sage. And we've had this before, I forget, like episode three, something like that. Two, three. It's, yeah. Maybe you know, had two towards times. the yeah. towards the beginning. <laughs> I, I love the smell of this one. It smells like we were like we had to do this in winter. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it smells Christmas like Christmas. Tea. The That's cinnamon. A forest. Yes. Yeah, a forest so, tree for your Christmas tree. If you uh, want to grab this or the many others that they have, you can go to tspectral.com slash mental and you can get ten percent off on your tea. Yeah. So enjoy that. Um, I know we do. Yeah. <laughs> But Katie, if you could kind of give our audience a little bit about yourself, how you started out college to how you decided to start a YouTube channel. So I'm a licensed therapist. I'm not a doctor. Some people think I'm a doctor. And I'm like, nope, didn't go to medical school. Don't have a PhD. So I... PhD Morton. I know. Right? <laughs> Dr. Morton. But if anyone wants to give me, you know, give me a PhD, yeah. I'll you totally... You can get an honorarial doctorate. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I will totally take that. But yeah. because I put myself through school, I wasn't going to pay for two yeah. more years. Yeah. Um, and so I started out in the therapy realm, thinking that I wanted to work in schools. I wanted to be in a develop, like developmental psychology is so fascinating to me, still is, but I thought that that's what I wanted to do. And it turned out that I ended up with one of the jobs, I needed a paying job because I was putting myself through school. Yes. That happens, you know? And I was like, I wow. remember my parents doing that. Like, hey, so this whole college thing, kind of expensive. You should go do some other things. Totally. <laughs> totally. And I wish, like, looking back, I mean, I wouldn't change anything, but sometimes you're like, wow, I probably should have gone to community college for two years and saved myself like $30,000. Mm -hmm. But needless to say, I was working with children and that job didn't pay. Many therapists, people don't know, we have to gain 3,000 hours yeah. towards our licensure and we don't usually get paid for those hours or get paid very much. And so at that so it's point, virtually mm -hmm. voluntary, like kind of. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like putting in your dues. Yep. Yeah, I feel like it's your time. It, totally. And so anyways, that was with children and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the best. And then a job opened up at an eating disorder clinic that another friend of mine worked at. And she was like, you should come over here. You know, they I think they paid like twelve dollars an hour or fourteen dollars an hour. And I was like, oh, pay. Yes. <laughs> and, I like that word. That's <laughs> a good word in college. Paid? Love it. <laughs> Um, and so I was like, perfect. And so I went over there and that was how I kind of finished out my graduate school experience and gained the rest of my hours. I started working in a hospital. And so anyway, during that, I learned that eating disorders was really what was fulfilling to me. And the changes that you can see in your patients is really rewarding. And I just loved it. Didn't think, didn't even think about it, never planned on it. And then I would come home at the time, my now husband, but at the time he's just my boyfriend, I would, we'd be like out to dinner and I would be complaining. I'm like, we have nobody to refer to. No one understands eating disorders. And he was like, hey, I was just at this event and people were talking about the power of YouTube. And I think that you should share stuff online and teach people. Around what year was this? So it's probably like 2010, like early okay. 2010. So like a, a few like years after YouTube was uh, the Time Magazine person of the year. Or people, I think it was you are the person of the year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. But at the time it was mainly like he sent me videos like Jenna Marbles yeah. and Ray William Johnson and Anna Akana and people who've been on the platform for a long time. And he was like, no, people do this for a living. It's not just cat videos and stuff. And it was a lot of that. Too. It was a lot. Of cat <laughs> and I love cat videos. Yeah. But anyway, and of course, I was like, no, people aren't 
teaching. This is comedy. No one's going to watch. And it's also awkward. And I don't want to be on camera. And then he just kept sending me things and, and like different articles that came out about YouTube and what the power of it was. And so about after six or eight months of him bugging me, I was like, okay, well, I'll create some content, but you do all the editing and it because he's in production. So mm -hmm. um, oh, that worked out. Yeah, it did. <laughs> oh, perfect team. Totally. And that's kind of how it started. So you notice, I mean, don't notice, don't go back and watch my first videos because they're really awkward. Proceeds to go back and watch all of her first I know. videos. <laughs> or I'm like, I don't know. Well, what she to has do a with thousand videos to go through. <laughs> it's a lot. It's going to take a while to scroll through, but yeah, yeah. patience. Keep scrolling. But the first ones are all eating disorder related oh. because that was initially what I was doing. And essentially what the idea was, was just mm. to educate. And then it just grew from there because nothing happens in a vacuum. And, you know, even if we struggle with eating, we probably also struggle with depression or anxiety yeah. or. And people have different questions. So, yeah, that was back. I think the first video went live in, I don't know, maybe like the beginning of 2011 or I don't, I always forget the same. Yeah. My fans remember the date. I'm terrible about anniversaries. Even <laughs> my husband and I, I'm like, how long have we been together? So, yeah. So that's it's kind been of. been a year, 10 years. I don't I know. know. It's it all We're still there. together. That's all yeah. that matters. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So that's kind of how it started. No, that's wow. really great. And I, I think that's great that you're able to create this platform of really sharing knowledge that people aren't really talking about and are starting to now, which has been really exciting. Totally. Oh, so what is it like now? You are basically YouTube's therapist. You are. How is that? No how does that title feel? <laughs> I, honestly, I wish there were more therapists yeah. because everybody's different. So mm -hmm. like my style isn't going to work for everybody. And I'm definitely more directive, more homework based. I do CBT and DBT based therapies, which mm -hmm. are kind of like the belief um, and understanding that whatever we think turns into, you know, how we act and how we interact in relationships. And it turns into, you know, like it goes in this cycle of like. Kind of like the the self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What I what I think becomes what I speak and what I act and then, you know, go round and round. Oh, yeah. I have a bad habit of doing that. We all yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do CBD in therapy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So. It's uh, this is all going to go wrong. Proceeds to always go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Totally. But, yeah. But we're all like that. But I enjoy YouTube. I like the fact that people are willing more and more to talk about mental health. When I first started my channel almost eight years ago, people were like, how come you're online? And I, I don't want to share this. And I don't want anybody knowing I watch this and creating essentially fake, not fake, but just like more anonymous profiles where they could digest my content, where they wouldn't care if people saw that they were, mm -hmm. you know, watching, let's say a Jenna Marbles video or something. And so it's been interesting to watch the stigma associated with mental illness get like less and less than it still exists, mm -hmm. but not in the way that it used to, which I think is progress. And that's good. It's interesting just within these last 10 years, you can see that difference between, you know, people making anonymous YouTube accounts just so that they could talk to you about it to, I mean, I post memes about it all the time. <laughs> you know? And people yeah. do that. We have like this new way of like conversing mm -hmm. about mental illness, whether it's like, I'm, you know, me, like one of my favorites is like people when they, it's like a dog in bed or something like, a you know, the sheets are pulled all the way up to the chin. <laughs> And it's like me all through the, the winter time. Thank you, seasonal affective disorder or something. And Mood. you're like, oh, we're really talking about it. Like, that's really cool. And yeah. then you're reminded you're not alone. And you're reminded that it doesn't make you crazy or something not wrong with you. And mm -hmm. I think that's a really powerful thing. That's why I love social media. Yeah. yeah. And then humor is really digestible for, yes. for it. And it makes it smart. And also, oh, I can laugh at that. Everyone's else laughing. Oh, I can I can be okay with that. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, totally. it definitely, the humor, I feel, does help normalize it. It's, you know, it's not just all doom and gloom and all of that stuff. It's, you know, it's something that we all deal with. And the the humor, I know that was something that we really tried with this podcast is to make sure that it's not just, you know, that there's humor in it and that it's it's lighthearted and, yeah. and the tea helps with that. <laughs> Do you remember who was one of the, the first people to come on and, and share their story with you? 
I mean, my I remember my first three main viewers. Um, there's uh, Mondi, Megs, and Punk. And those are their usernames. Yeah, one is, it's funny because one is in the UK, one is in Germany. And the other one, actually, I think she's still in the UK, but she's up in like outside of the city a little bit more. And it's funny that I'd start a YouTube channel and it, no one would be in the US. They weren't even close to really? where I live. So the, the reach is really cool and it's really powerful. And so I do remember my first few like viewers and interact. Like I could, I could answer everyone's questions and comments and it was a really cool space at like the first year. Then I think the first collaboration I did was with this girl named Melissa. She has a channel called I Drank the Seawater and she herself struggles with mental illness. And so she had me on to, you know, help her audience have more of like an understanding of what she was talking about. And so, yeah, it was, that was, those are like at the early days when I remember thinking when Melissa reached out, I was like, wow, she has like 10,000 subscribers. That's this crazy. Is crazy. What? And yeah. And so it was exciting. And the, the space has only grown and it's just really cool which to be honest back in those days that that was a That's pretty a big lot. deal yeah <laughs> it still know, is i remember yeah and it's, it definitely still is but i mean and you know you make your first million subscribers back in 2010 you were like a, a phenomenon you were it's true because the, the like space wasn't as full as it is now mm -hmm. there wasn't as much not not necessarily just competition because i don't like to think of it as competition yeah. i'm like high tide rises all ships but mm -hmm. I think that there was just a lot, a lot less noise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what was one of your like favorite videos or topics that you got to do with YouTube? Favorite topic? That's tricky. I do enjoy there's two things. So when it comes to mental illness, I enjoy learning about things that I knew nothing about. I know that's like really broad and you're like, what the heck does that mean? It, like when I'm challenged to learn, like, for instance, I have a viewer recently who got diagnosed with on the autism spectrum. So a Ooh, autism spectrum disorder. On that. Yes. And I don't, I, that's not my specialty. And I've shied away from it because people are so touchy about how you talk about it. But she like, she was patient and also persistent. And she was like, I'd really like you to talk about like high functioning and how it's different in girls. That would be really helpful for me. And so she kept going on and on and asking me like over the course of maybe six months, I'm not going to lie. Wow. And, and so I was <laughs> like, persistent, <laughs> uh -huh, which I have to respect. And so awesome. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. I'll deal with like any kind of trolling or people that are angry, people are always going to be upset. You could never please everyone. Yep. And she found it really helpful. And a lot of other people found it really helpful. People were upset. People are always going to be upset. Yep. But just that kind of example of me being pushed out of my comfort zone and forced to learn something new was is really cool. How has that, you know, you mentioned trolls and stuff like that because you are on an online platform primarily. How is that, has that dictated at all, you know, with autism spectrum, you said that that may have had a little bit to do with it. Has that ever affected the topics that you pursue or, you know, have you shied away from other topics because of, because of the online community in general? I'd like to say no, like, oh, they don't bother me. I'm human. It bothers yeah. me. And so after I did, I did like two on autism spectrum disorder well I guess three total but the first one was just like and it was before it was autism spectrum it was when Asperger's and autism were separate mm -hmm. anyways and they were like specifically diagnostic so it wasn't me pretending that I knew any more than what the DSM tells me <laughs> and I I probably won't do it again only because people get so bent out of shape and that's never my goal but I don't if I can have someone who is either like let's say within the LGBT plus community, if I can have a representative from, because I like to see myself as an ally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I can have someone there that can talk with me about it or have someone who struggles with it themselves, then I feel like that gives it, it's not, it doesn't give it more validity, but it gives it like a fuller story. Yeah. Then I'll, I'm fine doing things, but there as are someone from the outside talking about it. Because I can feel it, like that you're sometimes. learning as well. Totally. So. And that's what I want to do more of in the future. Like in 2019, I want to, <laughs> 
bring my viewers along as I learn something new because I think that's really cool because I'm doing that but I'm doing it behind the scenes and then I'm mm -hmm. pretending that I know and sometimes I'm like I didn't know this like a month ago but I've been reading a lot <laughs> and like go. now I'm gonna yeah <laughs> and so I think that that could be that's really cool and so I do shy away from some topics mainly it's either because I'm not a specialist and I can't find one that's yeah. willing to be on camera you'd be surprised how many like neurologists and regular doctors will be like mm, YouTube no it's the future what are you are you against I'm like this? it's only good for you I yeah. promise I'll yeah. put you in a great light people are gonna love you yep. some um, makeup exactly. You'll, it'll be great <laughs> I'll ask you questions you already know the answers too super simple softball stuff but yeah so i do shy away from some things but i'm hopeful to do less of that in the future that's great and then your, your catchphrase is it's a process not a perf not perfection mm -hmm. when did that come about i think just most of the things that happen on my channel have been kind of organic because in therapy a lot of it is a process we use the term process a lot whether yeah. it's like oh you've had a trauma you need to process through that or you're just in the process and so i think that that term we use that over and over all the time i don't even know when it really came about i would just say like well it's just a process it's not gonna be perfect and then it just slowly turned into process not perfection and it's funny whenever like just the other day i was filming with someone and they were like well i mean it's a process and in my head i was like not perfection <laughs> <laughs> That's my catchphrase. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And then the book. When when did you decide to to start on that journey? Oh, book. Okay. So anybody out there who's like, I want to write a book, do it. Also, be patient. It's very slow. I've been writing mine for ten years, so I'm I'm with you on that <laughs> you're, one. You're on. Yeah, you're in it. <laughs> and so I started. It's kind of an interesting story. And probably I don't know the time frame. Maybe three years ago, mm -hmm. three and a half years ago, a good friend of mine, Andrew, who represents other YouTubers, not me, but he's just a really good friend. Yeah. He was like, "Hey, I'm going to New York, and I'm pitching some ideas for people that I represent in the books." And he's like, "Of all people, you should have a book, Katie. So you have 24 hours. I want you to come up with an idea. I'm pitching it tomorrow." Oh wow! Wow! Okay. Yeah, and sure. That's how okay. he is. I love Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Anyway, he's lovely. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's it's almost ironic because just the day before, it, sometimes things just happen for a reason. And just the day before, a viewer of mine was like, if Kim Kardashian can have a book of just selfies, you should be able to have something. <laughs> oh, boy. And this is, I think you should take all the comments and questions from viewers, break them into different groups. Like this is depression. This is anxiety questions. These are eating disorder questions. And then you just put your answers and that's your book. And I was like, can you mind if I pitch that to my person who's going to pitch it to someone else? Thank you for the idea. No, like, can I take your I idea not, for me? <laughs> do because I am not an idea maker. And the, she was like, of course, do it. I'm, I believe in you. And oh, so that's how you. it started was just that. Oh. And that obviously is not what the book is because the publishing house said they wanted to write a first refusal. They love the idea, which write a first refusal just means they want to develop it with you. And then if they like it, they'll buy it. And if they don't, bye-bye. And they didn't. They wanted it to be like mindfulness. And I'm like, that's not what I do. Yeah. And they're like, could you add in some meditations? And I'm like, that's not what I do. Have you watched my channel? <laughs> And so we're big businessmen. We don't believe in YouTube. So, yeah. And the thing is, they work with YouTubers before, but I was like, you don't, that's not what I do. Yeah. Anyway, so my agent and I went back to the drawing board, recreated like a proposal. So if you do nonfiction books, you put a proposal together. You don't have to write the whole book. Didn't know that. And, and then it took us like two years to sell it to, a, we wanted to sell it to a publishing house and an editor who really got what I did. And Dan, my editor at DeCapo, couldn't have been better. He was like, this is important. People need to hear this. And if teenage me had known this and he'd just come off of doing the memoir or autobiography, I, I don't know what, I think it's an autobiography of John Saunders. He's a, he was a, I think he played, he played professional 
professional sports. I'm forgetting which one. My husband would be so upset because he like loves them. <laughs> but he's yelling. He, into that. He's like, Katie, how could you not remember? We've talked about this. But anyways, he struggled with mental illness mm -hmm. throughout his whole life. And he was abused as a kid. And so my editor had just worked on that project. And he was like, wow, John had had, it was really cool. It was just, sometimes you just got to believe in like the universe. Like it was just timing. Mm -hmm. And he, he believed in the book. And we created what it is now. How long did it take you to write, write? It? Oh, to write it. Like six months. Let me see. So we signed the deal June, July, October, November, December. Yeah, like six to eight months. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Nice. Awesome. They don't give you much time. Yeah. Just throwing that out uh, there. Here's, here's <laughs> an advance. Uh, we want the book. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> like the pressure to complete it is now in session. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I was one month early. I think it took me six months and it could have taken me seven. But people are excited about it. Yeah. And I think there is definitely something more intimate about a book, at least personally as a reader and mm -hmm. a podcast listener. There's something intimate about having not a visual. I know that sounds weird, but it, it's you in your own You get to create head. your own visual. Yes. Me as a visual learner, I actually do better either reading a book or an audiobook I really like because I kind of visualize what I want to see from it and it's fun I mean that's yeah. why I loved Harry Potter so much I'm a total Potterhead because I could just like imagine this magical world and I could put it together and it was like it's so fun and creative I'm a Slytherin I don't know oh okay I'm a Hufflepuff okay. I'm a Gryffindor oh wow all right well, we're almost fully represented yeah. <laughs> but I think that there's something really cool about a book and there's certain things that I can describe in greater detail or be more personal. I share a lot more personal stories in the book than I do yeah. in my channel. I was um, going to say, I was really impressed with how you shared your own stories through therapy in this book and going through the situations that someone might be going through that you've actually gone through too. I, yeah. I think that's really great. And I think there used to be a stigma of, oh, your therapist sees a therapist? What? Yeah, exactly. and you're like, they probably should. should. <laughs> it's like a doctor should be going to see a doctor. Totally. Like, and if you're a hairdresser, who cuts your hair? Hopefully yeah. not you, because that's not going to work. That'd be fun. Yeah, the back side of your head will be probably pretty interesting looking. <laughs> I, I feel like everyone should should see therapists. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Therapy for everyone. Doesn't yes. matter like what level of mental. We all have, like you said, we all have mental health. Totally. Mental illness kind of develops over time, and mm -hmm. if we all kind of keep ourselves in check, it's like physical therapy. Like we we have yeah. to keep our minds working out. Yeah, know? exactly. Because physical and mental health are so connected. Yeah. It's like people want to blame. Um, oh, you just need to eat this way or do this exercise. And I'm like, we well, probably should just take care of your mental health too, since it's like the hard drive mm -hmm. of your body. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I mean. You you need to take care of all of those things. You know your your brain, your body, and eating healthy and and working out are good too. But also taking time to recognize yourself and recognize the the triggers for you and all of that is is good as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that's kind of what I'm hoping the book will get across is that a it's not you're not weird and nothing's wrong with you. Yeah. B everybody should be in therapy at some point. And C it's it's okay to need help. It's part of our upkeep, and it's something that we should all be talking about. And it hopefully makes it more accessible, so you you understand you're empowered to go out and be like, oh, I can do this. And then if a therapist is acting some way, you're like, I don't know if I like you or that, and that's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. You have to find the right the right therapist for you. Totally. Speaking of that, how long did it take you to find the right therapist the first time and maybe currently too? It's funny because I went I started therapy when I was like 15, thanks to my mom, because she Ooh. 
a lot of, I know a lot of my, it's, it's funny. So a lot of my friends' parents, and it's not, that's funny is the wrong word. It's just like timing. A lot of my friends' parents were getting divorced Mm -hmm. and my brother and I were kind of upset about it. And my parents were kind of fighting a little bit as, you know, any parent does, but my mom was like, we should all get in therapy so we can talk about this and blah, blah, blah. And so we went into family therapy and my dad and brother hated it. My dad's like, I don't need to pay somebody to listen to me. And, um, yeah. Also my dad's super sensitive. So I think he's like, I don't want to cry in public bless his heart anyway so they we did that for i don't even know how long not very long enough that like i don't really remember more than that and then i asked my mom if i could go on my own i was like i really like this can i do my own and so i didn't really get to pick the therapist i'm from a really small town so there were like maybe two i don't even know i mean there's probably more than that which one do you want do you want a religious based one or do you want and mine end up being religious based and so she was great enough. I think it was she was good enough at the time that I didn't dislike her and I still felt like I could open up to her, but it was never going to be great for me because I didn't need to pray before. Th- I mean, anybody out there that needs to, that's totally fine. That's just not my vibe. That's not what I'm about. And so I think I really found the, a good fit when I was in graduate school. So I was in therapy in high school for a little bit. And then I was in therapy when I was an undergrad off and on. But then I found Rebecca at my university. If you're at a university, it's usually free. I saw her for yep. free because my dad ended up passing away when I was in graduate school. And so he was sick. And so I started therapy and she got me through all the way till when he died. And she was great. It was wonderful. And it was really helpful helpful for me because I kind of had grieved ahead of time Mm -hmm. and it was really it was really powerful and she was wonderful and then she retired and I was like but now I have Jana oh no (laughs) so it's just a process why stay I know (laughs) all the day every day I know do you feel like having therapy early on as a teenager kind of got you into wanting to be a therapist yeah I think I've always enjoyed listening to people and people are fascinating for a while I thought I wanted to be like an anthropologist or a sociologist <laughs> like I, oh I want to study this culture or talk study... to people and see how they yes. interact and all of that totally and I still like I'm putting this out there like you know I believe in the secret I really don't but like just putting this out into the universe I'd love to have a show where I go around the US and other parts of the world and talk with people about mental health mm-hmm. how do you talk about it what's it like here what kind of treatment do you get talk to people at the hospitals and in the mental health facilities be awesome because no i don't know i want to see that happen because i'm sure it's totally different right yeah i mean every city basically Mm, is going to be different whether it's the small town that you grew up in the small town i grew up Mm. in la yeah because we're very fortunate here Mm. because it's like free to be you and me whatever you want to do totally fine and there's like a treatment for whatever right and any like specificity that you have i really do that's kind of the goal is just to like bring more awareness show people it's okay and and see what everyone's dealing with so we can kind of like understand the whole system yeah Yeah, that'd be fascinating because then you could see it from different cultures too not just in the u.s and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff and see how they talk about it and how open they are and yeah that would be travel be shows awesome. are popular i think a travel show on mental health is definitely let's get that the out there thing. we'll put that into the universe it'd be really, yeah i'm like put it into the universe and i think that like is grown from my i guess enjoyment or interest in people and cultures and that would like be a nice way to I don't know, bridge it all together. And so, yeah, so, but being a therapist, I've always enjoyed listening to people. And when I was in middle school, particularly, I remember loving the fact that I was a secret keeper, like locked in the vault. No one will ever know. I'll totally keep your secret. Um, And I like, I don't, it's like, a you know, it's like teenage me. That's, that's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I took pride in that. Yeah. And so I think even as an adult, I still enjoy listening and watching people 
challenge themselves and grow and being the secret keeper. It's cool because then you know all the secrets from everybody and you're like, they're all in my vaults. I have them all. (laughs) And no one can get them. It's a superpower of yours. Like people will come to me and trust me and I will be the vault. Exactly. And I'm like, maybe it's a little ego driven, but I just enjoy it very much. I certainly enjoy being being, uh, one of my friends that is like, oh, I can tell Zach something and I know he won't tell anybody else. And it's cool. It's cool to have the title of like being trustworthy and honest. Totally. (laughs) In high school, I used to have like people who didn't know me very well they're like oh i can tell this girl like she she won't tell anyone and i don't know her that well that it's fine if i just kind of spew off my deep dark secret yeah okay i know isn't it funny my husband says that i put off a vibe because if people don't even know i'm a therapist first of all people know your therapist i tell you everything (laughs) they're like i haven't had sex with my husband in two years and you're like i'm at a cocktail party (laughs) well i'm gonna put this drink down i guess we're gonna have this conversation i'm like wow Okay, I am not in session. Yeah, I'm like you're gonna have to pay me double overtime. But he's or more martinis. Totally. I'm like, oh my god, you'd be surprised how often that happens. But even if they don't know, Sean's like people just are. Sean's my husband. Sorry, by the way, his name is Sean. Um, he'll be like people are just like drawn to tell you secrets, and I'm like, I I don't know. I don't know if it's a vibe I put out. Maybe it is, but yeah. How. Because I've noticed even with our podcast, have you noticed a change in, uh, you know, that you, <laughs> you said you have a vibe, but did you notice a change in even your your everyday relationships of when you started the YouTube channel and like people being more open to talking to you about their mental health and, and all of that? Yeah, I, d- I definitely think, especially within the YouTube space, because I am uh, like the only therapist that's been on the platform for very long. There are some new ones coming out. I encourage you to search Yay. and look and watch because it. We want to encourage them to do more because it is a lot of work. I totally get that. But I do think people in general, not even just to me in person, but online and the conversations online are more like comfortable and open about mental health and people are more willing to talk about it. Because just for an example, like way back in the day, and I won't name the YouTuber, but I'd reached out and was like, hey, let's do a collaboration. And she was like, well, it doesn't really work on my channel, but like on your channel, I'm fine talking about like this. And it was a very like, it'd be like me saying, I'm really comfortable talking about like how I have work-life balance, like nothing personal, essentially mm-hmm. keeping it very like, you know, surface. That happened a lot at the beginning where people would be like, I'll talk about like how I do what I do, but I don't really, I don't want to talk about serious. And, and so I'd get like those walls all the time. And now it's not there at all. People like will reach out and be like, hey, I really would like to talk about the fact that like, I grew up in an alcoholic home or I've struggled with addiction myself or I had an eating disorder and I'd really just like to use your platform to share that story. And that's really cool. Yeah. And so that took a while. Yeah. But it took, I mean, it took a while, I think, for people to come around. A thousand videos or so. (laughs) It only takes a thousand videos and like seven years later. Keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Persistence. Exactly. Persistence is key. With relationships, I think a really, one of my favorite stories in your book is the story how your therapist told you that you are a pufferfish. Yes. (laughs) Like one of the boyfriends that you had just broken up with that you were very sweet and sensitive and but when someone gets too close you kind of like oh it's done bye yeah what how did that change with like your next or with with sean uh slowly (laughs) (laughs) because i still puffer fished it's funny and i it's something that i worked on for a really long time and i'm sure it's still in there like we all still have those like knee-jerk reactions and it's definitely a knee-jerk reaction like even it's been years but when sean and i were first dating before we were married because we dated for like five years before we got married so like mm-hmm. i think it, we'd been dating for like two years or something i don't even it's just how not relevant it was i don't even remember what i was upset about those are always the best fights aren't they oh yeah, yeah. so i was upset <laughs> why about are something. you angry i, I don't understand <laughs> and i have blocked it out i have no recollection <laughs> 
And so I got mad and I remember getting in. So we had just moved in together and I remember getting in my car. I was like, I can just leave in my head. This is like me, crazy Katie talking. Mm-hmm. I can just leave and like, he doesn't even know me and blah, blah, blah. I was, I was spying wow. out like hardcore. And I remember sitting in my car then. I never drove anywhere. And sitting in my car and being like, is this really what you want to do? So you're just going to push him away. That's, that's what you want to do is, okay, well, let's just think about this for a minute. And that was what my therapist had told me. He's like, when you want to push people away, you need to consider if you really want to not have them in your life. Because when I puffer fish, it's like, there's no coming back. Yep. Like mm-hmm. I essentially like in that relationship was like, Stab he doesn't know heart, me. They're done. <laughs> I'm going to say something nasty and then I'm going to pretend you don't know me and then make myself believe you never knew me in the first place. And then I'm wow. going to ghost you. And it's not healthy, but it was protective. Mm-hmm. It's because I'd been hurt before. And so it was my way of being like, never again. Yep. <laughs> I will strike me. first. You don't even exist anymore. That's how much it, this that, isn't going to affect me. Totally. And it. Obviously, it still affected me, but that was yeah. like the mind trick. But you were aware. You you became self-aware of it and were able to analyze. Yeah. And the thing, the way it worked with Sean is he's really patient. Uh, Hi, Sean. Yes. Bless your heart. Love you very much. So he would just not react. Wow. So even if I would get really mad and try to do it, he wouldn't react in the way he's supposed to. I'm using air quotes, supposed to. He would actually react in like a much healthier way where he'd be like, well, I'll just give you some space, essentially. Or he wouldn't say anything and just walk away and then come back like the next day or like a few hours. And so I think it was his slow, it's just his patience with me and the fact that he doesn't like to fight that way. So he would just wait until we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. It forced me not to puffer fish. Wow. Yeah, I mean, with without a reaction from that, and and with yeah, someone the right just person, kind of the right relationship, kind of helped you develop totally. new skills. And my therapist at the time, Rebecca, the one from graduate school, when I first met Sean, she was like, essentially, like I said that in the book too. I'm like, you need to be uncomfortable. Yeah. She told me I need to be uncomfortable, and I was like so offended. And but she really just meant that like it needed to not play out the same way. You needed to have someone that didn't play into what I was trying to create because I was creating chaos to like protect myself from myself. I'm not sure. Still yeah, working on that. Do, yeah. <laughs> Still in it's therapy. It's a process. Yeah. It's a process, um, not Exactly. Well, yeah, because you creating that chaos, you know, you're going to have those reactions that justify that that chaos that you just created. And it's like, haha, see, mm-hmm. I gotcha. Now it's time to go. Now totally. it's time to bounce. Totally. I try my best not to give reactions, but that's that's hard. Patience is hard too. Yeah. It is hard, and it's definitely. It's almost like, I don't know, sometimes I feel not the like the Hulk is the best explanation, not because I'm super strong, but that like when he's turning into the Hulk, you know, he's like painful and he's like, (laughs) I feel like that's what it's like when you know the thing you want to do is really unhealthy, but you don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. So you're like, it's like your brain. I don't know. You're fighting with yourself. It's really uncomfortable. That that actually uh, that made me think of uh, going back to therapists, needing therapists and things like that is. I've always had friends, you know, ask me for advice and I I give them their advice and then I go and do the exact opposite when it comes to my own life. Of course. (laughs) Taking your own advice is a therapist can't therapize themselves. I know therapize isn't a word, but for the sake of it, it is. I like creating new words. Copyright. Yes. Yes. Copyright 2018. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's another justification for, for therapists also needing to see therapists and that shouldn't be a stigmatized issue. No, either. because also like our job can be really isolating because often when I'm in my office seeing patients, I see them, I don't see anybody else other than my patients. 
So yeah. I can't be like regular Katie because therapist me and regular me, totally different people. Mm -hmm. And because therapy is their time. It's not about me at all. I don't really talk that much. I ask questions and listen. And so it can be really isolating. People are dumping on us. It can be really heavy. Yeah. And so you need to have good self-care. You need to you need to take care of yourself first or you can't keep doing the job. And if I ever run into therapists, this is just something. And I think I might have said in the book, but I say it all the time on my channel is if you run into a therapist it's like, oh, I've never been in therapy. Don't see that therapist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then they don't know the point of what they're doing mm -mm. too. Like that they need to you also. You have to experience it or and see what's good and bad for you too. Yeah. And, and, and what it's like to be on the other side. Yeah. Like imagine you go in and you're uncomfortable and you don't know. And, and you're like, man, this has been a really hard month. And I just need to talk to somebody and crying in front of a stranger. Like they need to feel that. Yeah, so they know what the it's like. Emotional connection. Exactly. In the book, like you've got to be able to connect with them and yeah. you know, have some emotional connection and feel like you can trust them. Yeah. Like they're on your side. They're rooting for you. You're on a team together. And yeah, you really need that feeling. Yeah. You go over this in the book, but the difference between a, a good therapist for someone and a bad therapist. Can you go over some of those points? Yeah, of course. So a good therapist should, you should feel like they're on your side. You should feel like they hear you and they listen and they like remember important dates or important people, certain things that you've told them. You shouldn't have to repeat yourself all the time and they should validate you. And there's more that I go into in the book, but those are just like yeah. the, the top level. And I think validation is really important because some of my viewers and even my patients alike have told me that other therapists will make them feel like they need to, I don't know, like show more examples of why they're so depressed and like they don't believe that they're as sick as they are. And a therapist mm. should never make you feel that way. And that so, doesn't sound about right. Hold on. Give me some more oh, examples. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was, I was uh, as an example of a therapist of just like, yeah, that doesn't sound about right. Like, give me more examples yes. of yeah. like, like is, are you sure that's what you're feeling? Or? And it can be like a sim as simple as a word, like a therapist saying, oh, it's just that. Like, oh, it's it's just that you struggle to sleep at night. It's like downplaying. And... I've had the bad therapist. Okay. I've, yeah. I've had one where I went in to see a new therapist in my area. He sat me down and first off, the office was kind of weird. I'm like, okay, this is a strange office. Like they, they must have just moved here because there was like books on the ground and uh -huh. just felt like, like you just moved here. Well, I, Welcome to my address. living room. This yeah. is my therapist's well, office. He started telling me, I'm going to stop you right there. I don't care. He about... said that? Yeah. Before I even got in, like I was just saying, oh, you know, I'm here. I have anxiety. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to stop you right there. So I don't care about what you've been through. I don't care about your parents. I don't care about the boyfriend who dumped you, the uncle that abused you what? or whatever. I want to like just work on your breathing and, and figure out now what to do now. Did an uncle abuse you? Because I'm really confused what, what you're saying here, wow. dude. Okay. Like I'm uh, what? And then he started having me do these like really weird movement, like, oh, scrunch your face and then release and scrunch your face and then release. I'm like, oh, it's like progressive relaxation. But you're like, also, I'm, I don't know you. And what is I don't know you. Like, with? this is not like this is a first session. Like, I'm 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 I, I had acting training back in high school. Like, I'll go along with this and play along with your game. But this I've done is, those before. This is annoying <laughs> as heck. And it's not helpful. No. Hmm. And so, but maybe it would work for some. Like, I'm always no, like, I'm sure that hey, there's different someone. strokes, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know. I think that the therapist has to validate who they, you are and not do. assume. Yeah, and not because that's the thing is assumptions lead to misunderstandings, which yeah. then makes us feel not heard and understood, and then we actually can't get better. Yeah. And so I think if a therapist ever forgets your name, or mm. like because that happens, uh, Susie, uh, Suzanne, uh, uh, Christine, and you're like I, it's uh, you're like it's Elizabeth. It's yeah. like totally. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> I was way off. <laughs> but a lot of their, like I'll hear from my viewers that they've fallen asleep in session or they forget the name of them or their spouse mm -hmm. or things that a therapist shouldn't do. And you have a pad of paper, write that shit down. Oh, yeah. can I cuss on here? Yeah, okay. yeah go ahead. Absolutely. I've been trying to like keep it clean. But I, they should remember and they should write things down so yeah. that they don't forget. And I think that also, you know, 
them communicating clear boundaries to you is important so that you know what to expect in therapy. Like that's from the very first session. Those are easy things to go over. Everything from like you have to cancel 24 hours in advance or you're charged X amount. Do you understand? These are the confidentiality restrictions. If If I think you're a threat to yourself or someone else, I mean... All of those things were trained as therapists or psychologists or whomever to talk with you about, but not every therapist does that. And I always like in the book and in my videos, I'm always talking about the fact that just like any other job, therapists can be bad or good. Like we've all gone to, I always go back to like a hairdresser. I don't know why, but like we've all gone to someone who cuts our hair horribly. And I'm like, yep. wow, yep. that's not good. I'm never coming back. And then you go to someone that you really Just like. Just wear a paper bag over my head. <laughs> for that's the, why I keep going month. to Orange County to get my hair colored. <laughs> that's so. a, yeah. And I only go one place to get my eyebrows done because I'm like, once those things are gone, don't know if they can grow back. Yep. So just think keeping that in mind because we're people too and we're no better or perfect than you know so just make sure you feel connected with them you feel that they hear you they validate you and also like you understand the limitations of therapy and the expectations and you should be working towards some goals Mm -hmm. I I put that in there too like I work with treatment plans some of my patients want to see them most of them don't really care but it's important for me to know that we're working towards things otherwise then you're just kind of going in circles yeah and you could just be talking like friends that's not therapy by the way Mm -hmm. it needs to be constructive otherwise you're wasting your time and money also i feel like that was a that's an important thing that i had never thought of is also the environment i feel like that's something that you should also consider as well as i can't imagine that a a therapist where you have to spend an hour and a half in la traffic would be a great way to to start or end your session or a place that has a whole bunch of books or on the floor floor. (laughs) welcome to my dusty therapy room it's uh we have cobwebs and and it's not warm yeah it should be close to where you live or close to where you work so it's easy because the more stress getting to the therapy office can make it hard for you to even open up because we all know like when you're rushing through traffic and you're feeling really late and then you get somewhere and you're like hi i'm here i also have to pee and now i just don't know where it's like you're too frazzled and so i think that that's really important and then we call it the holding environment the office itself and so finding what feels good to you mine's very like beachy we used to have white i share an office with a colleague of mine we used Mm -hmm. to have these white couches they end up getting obviously dirty over the years but now we have these gray ones but it's very like light blues and whites and yellows and to me it's very airy but some people like them to be like reds and browns different colors make people feel different Uh things and so just notice how you feel and make sure that you feel even if the room isn't perfect with the therapist energy in it you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. yeah for me i mean i actually would be kind of comfortable with a not necessarily dusty and cobwebby Mm -hmm. place but you know like the browns and like i like that like a little old library yeah library feel would be a little more cozy like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah candle yeah victorian victorian's like the best way with Mm -hmm. your um, back chair with your oil lantern and yeah (laughs) totally i don't know if i'm describing a therapist's office or like a study where you would like write your exposition novel where i'm writing my 10 year long what's that tv show where it was like an old tv show where you'd be like today he had a british accent he'd be like in it was like he was describing a show or something and he'd go back to an old tv show i forget what it's called but he'd sit in a wingback chair and you have like a big oversized coat on and he'd be like i don't know i I really I can familiar. I am can imagine that guy though. So yeah. I yeah. Anyway, that's your kind of area. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cozy I want library. him to be my therapist. Yes, perfect. Yeah. What's your area? <laughs> like is it the the place that you have created for yourself or when you go to therapy, what do you like? Mine is a little similar, the place I've created and 
because I share it with someone that's like created together, which is mm -hmm. interesting because there's certain pieces of art or things that she has that I love. And then other ones where I'm like, no. Ooh, I wouldn't <laughs> have that if... Uh... Yeah, if it was my space, 100%. But my therapist definitely, she has like a big uh, glass door that opens onto a patio. And she always offers like, if it's really nice out, she's like, do you want to sit on the patio? She's like, people might be able to hear. I am not, a, I don't want that, but other people might. I like, it's more about, it's kind of about the place, but it's more about her. So she has like cream colored couches. It's kind of a mix between like beachy and like country cottage. Okay. And she, I like an older therapist that's female, has to be a female. I don't know why I tried to dude for a while. It didn't work out. And I like them to be like kind of hippie. And so she wears like these flowy skirts and she sits cross like it. And I oh. love it. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I like that so that, that works for me. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good feel. So when you when you started YouTube and I mean now too, how do you feel like your your work has been like between being a therapist and also being on YouTube? Kind of the difference and and how you manage that. It's been trial and error, and I'm always like trying to figure it out. Back when I first started, there was like it was no issue essentially. Sean and I would film on the weekends. He would do all the editing. And, That's so nice. And yeah. I know. <laughs> Good old Sean. He's a beautiful <laughs> I know. Thanks, yeah. Sean. And so I would just go about like going to work. And at the time I worked at like three different jobs. So I was like a, a my private practice has always just been like smaller. Like I had two days in the office and then I worked in the hospital and an eating disorder treatment center. And most therapists work in multiple areas because in order to get enough hours and make enough money that's just kind of how you have to do it and looking for health insurance so you're like can i work at least like almost part-time full-time to get health insurance i need some of that yeah i need a little stability <laughs> and so i was doing all of that and that was really it and then as it grew i let go of one job did a little bit less of that and it's just kind of a balancing act but now that i travel more in my private practice i'm only able to really take high functioning patients because the thing that people need to understand is like your therapist should be there for you we're not there 24 7 yeah. but there should be consistency and you should be able to rely on them in some aspects of things right like if you call in 24 hours they'll get back to you well if i'm in like australia for three weeks that's it's not really ethical for me to take on a patient who needs a higher level of care or needs to see me twice a week mm -hmm. I'm not there. And so I've slowly referred those patients out as it was appropriate and as it worked for them, finding a good fit, getting them transitioned over. And it's it's actually been pretty easy. Things like that can be really hard in the therapy world because attachments and stuff like that. I've had a few difficult transitions for patients, but overall it's been pretty seamless. And now I'm only in my office for two half days. And so my patients are pretty much like without sharing any information, really, it's like high functioning business people who really just need like some check ins because they've worked through a lot of stuff. But now they're just like, I'd like to see someone at least like twice a month to make sure everything's just good. Just check yeah. in, talk, yeah. just kind of decompress. And... Exactly. And here and get some homework stuff and tools. And they're doing a lot of work on their own. Yeah. So that's it's been but it's always a process process, not perfection. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as things have changed and as the channel's grown, I've transitioned out of I quit my full-time job at the hospital oh my god like four years ago now but it took a while like because back yeah. when I started YouTube you couldn't even monetize so I wasn't making any money for years oh, the good old days I know <laughs> and now you can't monetize now I, exactly, exactly like half of the things are like I'm sorry you talked about suicide monetize. ding so that's kind of been the process oh, do you foresee in the future you trying to to let it like keep that small practice while you're growing the YouTube channel or do you think there's going to come a day where if the YouTube channel gets too unwieldy you'll just make that at the full-time thing I it's and I've been asked this more and more by even my viewers they're like how long can you keep doing that because I do travel more and I think I'd always hoped that I could do it forever like oh I'll keep because they are pretty high functioning yeah. but it's really hard to find patients like that any therapist listening are like oh my god that how would you find that that'd be like perfect you could fill a whole practice it, that that'd is, be awesome <laughs> it just never happens and, <laughs> and so and these were patients I already had 
And I, you know, so I'm trying to come around to the fact that I will have to let go of my practice at some point. I'm not there yet, but it definitely is getting increasingly difficult. And I've had to turn away people that normally I'd be like, I would totally see you because it's right up my in my wheelhouse. I could totally support, but I'm afraid that they might need me and I won't be there. And I just don't feel like that's ethical for me to help start a relationship with them yeah. and then it not be beneficial. And I think it's really hard because I do love what I do, but I, I talk to my therapist about this a lot and even like my mom and Sean, anybody who will listen because they're like, but you have the ability to reach millions of people. So every person that, you know, you're kind of disappointed, it's okay to be disappointed. But, and so I'm, I'm trying to teach myself that, that like it's for the greater good in some ways. And I have to let go of like what I thought my career would look like and not for the worst. I'm not, I love YouTube and I love th yeah. to be able to do what I do, but it's definitely been this last year has been a little tricky for me. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's great, though, even from when you were in college to what you thought you would be studying to now to with YouTube, like you never thought you'd be doing this, like your life keeps giving purpose in ways that are really surprising for you. And it's really the best thing that ha has happened for you, I feel. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, like I was telling somebody on a live stream the other day, asked like any advice because they were starting like uh, I think they're starting graduate school mm -hmm. and they wanted to be an art therapist. And I was like, so cool. Oh, I looked wow. into that, too, That's like so music cool. and art. So yeah. cool. Yeah. And I was like, my only advice to anyone starting any kind of career is don't go in with an like an idea that you won't be open to it changing. Yeah. Because life changes. And if anybody asked me where I'd be, I'm sure you guys feel this way, too. Like if if somebody told 12 year old me, hey, you know, when you're 35, you'll be on this podcast and it'll be weird. And like you have this job that's online. I know online doesn't work. That's not a thing yet. But like it will be a thing. It will be a thing. And, and you'll also like, summon strangers in cars to go take your places. Right. And to bring you food and do all sorts of things. They'd be like, what? No. And so I think if we all go into life with an open mind and the not necessarily openness, but like just being, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but it's more like being willing mm -hmm. to be challenged and change, yeah. then, then and kind of cool, fighting against it. Yeah. Cause cool things can really happen and it turns out better than you could have forced it into before. And so I'm trying to learn to like go with the flow, which is totally not how I am. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I remember hating that question in interviews, uh, like for job interviews. They'd be like, so where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years? Or, you know, or, or what are you looking to do right now? tomorrow. Yeah. And totally. I used to always have a, a solid answer answer to that. But over the course of the years with interviews, I've started to just be like, you know, I've I've realized that life just throws curveballs at you and so right now I'm just kind of in the process of learning what I want to do and where it's going to take me mm -hmm. because especially places like LA I mean yeah. everyone moves here basically to do something and almost everyone else ends up doing something else not necessarily as a bad thing you just you you move yeah. here I'm going to do this five years later and you're doing a completely different thing that's just as rewarding totally. and so you know being open to that I think is a great piece of advice of just knowing what you want but also you know and being open to different roads that can lead you to maybe the same goal but a different way of seeing it yeah, yeah so use that exactly. as a trajectory not necessarily a destination yeah exactly it's not one there's not one lane you have multiple no. lanes you yeah. can take and i feel like if you do narrow yourself into something and force it to work it's a lot harder you're, it's oh, yeah. a, you're like fighting against yourself yeah because yeah i mean life is not going to it it throws things at you and if you're not willing to bend and <laughs> and if you're, you're not malleable break. at all <laughs> yeah. yeah that's it's not going to be fun and you're gonna have to see a lot of therapy <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah or read this book a lot because it'll <laughs> exactly. be very useful i hope really... it is useful i think it is i think that this is a really important book for i 
I wish I had had this when I was in high school to kind of know, oh, do I need to go see a therapist? Do I, what, what are the types of options that I have? Like, what are the differences? And, and really just matter of fact, not like, oh, this is, what was you? It's, oh, this is really matter of fact. This is really digestible. This is really interesting to find out about yourself. Yeah. And I love all your post-it notes, by the way. I'm a huge post-it note fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, she that was these... totally all hers. So the book is just lined with post-it notes. When she handed it back to me, because she was the first one who read it, she handed it back to me. I was like, well, do I even need to read the or book? Or I just I... read the post-it notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm hope, I hope that people will use it like that, where mm-hmm. it's like you can write in it, you can yeah. mark it, you can tab it, you can fold this over, you can go back to it. Because it's, yes, you can read it from front to back, but you don't have to. You could dive yeah. in. I don't feel Each like Each chapter it... has its own thing you can go into yeah it like starts on its own and so i think that hopefully people can dive in where they need now and go back to other things later and kind of just use it throughout their life to better understand because i think that uh, there's something that's always bothered me and i think the reason that youtube is so fulfilling is like information about health in any form should not be behind a paywall you shouldn't have to live in a city where people are highly educated and always up to date on research and you shouldn't have to have great insurance or be able to pay two three four five hundred dollars just to get that information that just seems wrong to me and so hopefully this at least gives people that access so when they do go they can ask for specifically what they need and know the words that on the other side the mental health professional will understand yeah and it's it's not confusing or just like an otherworldly word that you know they're they're able to to get that information without having to Hide from it, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and hopefully you felt like the the language is very easy. Yeah, like I just try to make it because I find sometimes books that you get like psychology books, I feel like they use words just to Ooh. confuse you. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking it's that like, up. I'm smart. I'm too, but uh, and maybe I need another book to learn how to read this book. Exactly. Or like, what's this acronym mean? You never define that. That's yeah. confusing. That's kind of where I was. Where I was trying. To, what I was trying to say is it, making something that's accessible language wise as well too, because that's. Yeah, if you're if you're not living in a city where you're constantly surrounded by these, I mean, language changes every day. And in the city, I was online the other day, and someone threw out a word. I was like, I don't know what that means, and I feel like I'm in this space. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> all of these words keep changing. So it's it's nice to have an accessible way, especially through online, of your you have that access to it, and you can keep up with it without having to have the money or live in L.A. or New York or something. Like yeah, that. or like be in the field. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's even like a glossary at the end, like explaining different terms. Yeah. So if you didn't yeah, get it, <laughs> if you didn't get it in the book itself, when I'm talking about it, you could like reference it and be like, oh, okay. So it's like two uh, two options or two ways to understand. You, you made it very accessible. Okay, good. And one thing I wanted to bring up recently on your YouTube channel, I noticed you are becoming an advocate and we're doing like a live stream and mm-hmm. like two different videos all about childhood slavery. Yeah. I'm, I really want to know more about that and how you got involved uh, with that. Did Soul Pancake connect you to that or how did you it's, it's actually through YouTube itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Matt Pat, a uh, game theorist. Yeah. So, so Matt Pat and Steph are good friends of Sean and I's, and they were doing so every year. Sorry, let's start at the beginning. Every <laughs> year, YouTube does a thing called Giving Week, mm-hmm. and it's the week usually right after Thanksgiving. And they come up with, let's say, five different organizations that they think are important this year and they want to give money to, and they want creators to help them raise money. Yeah. And so Matt, Pat, and Steph were doing the, I think it's like the Brain Mind Institute or something like that. I'm probably saying it wrong. I'm so sorry, you guys. But it was mental health related because they lost one of the members of their team to suicide this year. And so they were like, hey, would you come on the live stream? I'm like, yes. So sign me up. They're doing research about PTSD and and for vets. It's super powerful and wonderful. And so when I reached out to the YouTube contact they had for that, they were like, hey, we have like these other ones. Do you want to get involved in Giving Week? And that's how I came across the Kailash Foundation. And in 
a nutshell, what it is, is Kailash Satyati is this man in India who, I guess, from a very young age, realized that children who were in like poverty levels didn't get to go to school. They had to work. And he was like five or six years old going to school. And he saw a little child working on the side of the road to like build up these rocks, I guess, and stuff. And he asked his mom, he's like, how come I'm going, I'm going to school. He should go to school. He's because he looked like his age. And he was like, how come he's not? And his mom's like, because they have the caste system there. And she was like, he doesn't get to. That's just what the way it is, essentially. And he never thought that was right. And so it's been like his life's work to end child slavery. And it's something that I thought, I don't know if you guys remember, but like Nike got in trouble back in oh, the yeah. day. And I thought oh, it's, it's over. Like that happened in like what the late eighties, early nineties. Mm. Yeah. Then I watched this documentary. If you haven't watched it, go to soul pancakes channel. It's called price of free cry, bring tissue, cry the whole time, but it still is alive and well. And they still believe there's a hundred million children who are enslaved. And so oh, buying Lord. items anyway. So I was very encouraged and very excited to get behind it because it's a great cause. And because every child should have a childhood, they don't need to be making me like Zara jewelry. Don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Things from TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods, Home Sense, Pond Skincare, all terrible companies. This is why I thrift for, the same. for clothing. Yep. And... I'm like, eBay is my friend. This is why I don't buy things. <laughs> <laughs> too. Yes. But you can check if they are, if they are, you know, making things, if it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Can you check like the label of where yes. things have come from or and what? Yeah, you can comes. check if it's made in China or India. Those are two laws aren't strict enough. People get away with things. Mm-hmm. Malaysia is another one. Um, but even in LA, we have it ethically made that's what i was looking for mm-hmm. i couldn't come up with yeah. that word for some reason so you can check good on you as an app there are other apps that are in the comments of my videos that people left to let you know but yeah because trauma because these children are mistreated and traumatized if you watch the documentary you'll see it and so it was definitely something i wanted to put my support behind and so i got to interview kailash who mm-hmm. is a lovely warm happy like jovial man and it i'm like almost crying interviewing him i'm like don't you ever just get really like sad and scared and he's like no i believe in the good in people and i'm like oh, i wish i was my like that God, there were <laughs> yes. some people like that yay totally yeah. and so i and it made me then is like contagious i'm like well then i can believe in the good in people too because you right. exist and i'm sitting here with you and we're talking about this horrible thing that happens mm-hmm. to kids it's like heartbreaking so you can donate to the Kailash Foundation. I think just look up Kailash Foundation and you okay. can click through. But yeah, it's a really great cause. And so that's how I got in, in touch with And them. what was the name of the documentary? Again? Price of Free. Price okay. Of free. So awesome. if the deal seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I... Unless I it's don't... thrifted. Exactly. <laughs> and, unless it's like a, someone's already. used shoes I found on eBay. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Camera blows me away. She'll just like, everything you wear is yeah. from a thrift store. And I'm just like, how do you do that? That's It's like a superpower that you have. It's just a fun hunt. It I is. I, I like the hunt. I like to find things. Same. It's fun. I've... What is what's next for you? Oh, after like you, this book comes out, the videos that you have coming up, like what is well, you've got the TV show idea you're putting out to the universe. But besides that, what what's next for you? Well, I have a few projects I'm working on that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. One is like getting to deeper dive into like a specific issue and creating like courses for it. And so I think that that could be a really great way because something that I find limiting with what I create now is that, oh, it needs to fit into like this five, 10, maybe 12 minute video like the kailash interviews i left long because it was it was so good i had trouble editing it so i'm not gonna cut any of this i know i was like 40 minutes people can deal yeah. but being able to deeper 
dive and have those five, seven minute, you know, 10 minute videos and go into it like with me following along where I interview specialists. Yes, exactly. So that's something I'm working on now that will come out in the new year. And then just challenging myself to find new ways for more shareable content. That's an issue I have with mental health content. Some people, because if you don't know, this is like from a sociological standpoint, people share for certain reasons. So like people will share because they think it it like shows something good about them. Like, look, Mm -hmm. I'm funny Mm -hmm. or look, I'm I'm working for a good cause. They'll share because it makes them feel good, good, look good. Or they'll share because it's like, oh, I think everyone should know this kind of thing. So there's certain reasons people share and I would like people to be able to share my content and fit into one of the reasons they would. And I don't always get that because it's stigmatized. And so I'm looking to create like more short films around like kind of first person so you can see what it could feel like to have a certain mental illness. And so those will be coming out in the new year too. As a mental health filmmaker, I I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So let me know what you think. I'd love the feedback. Yeah. I'm excited to see I'm challenging myself to try something new. So (laughs) no, that's what you gotta, gotta keep challenging yourself to grow. And like that's life is the the challenge can continues and yeah. you get to create. So before we wrap up, I want to talk about the book real quick. So it's called Are You Okay? And it's coming out December 11th. December 11th. Keep an eye out for that. I, I thank you so much for, for sitting down and yeah. talking. Is Thanks there, for having me. Is there anything else that you would like to say, like what, what you want the, the book to, what, what you hope people get out of the book? Or um, I guess I just hope that it's like a nice introduction. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've been scared or you've been struggling for a while and you didn't know how to ask for help or what, what even help looks like or when you need help. I think all the basic questions, I hope that this is a nice starting point for people Mm -hmm. so that they realize it's really not as scary as you think. Um, And if you can't afford the book, it's completely fine to ask your library and they can order them too. And that gives even more access to people who maybe couldn't afford it. Um, Also support your local library. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Support the local library. Libraries are amazing. Yes. Um, So that's just another thing. And there's an audio book. So if if you are visually impaired or if you drive long distances for work, you can do that as well. Oh, yeah. I... (laughs) With my hour and a half commute, podcasts are my my thing. I love podcasts. Yes. We do too here. Yeah, I know. We decided to create them. Yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sitting down and taking the time to. Yeah, where can we find you, Katie? Oh, yes. Everything is just Katie Morton, K A T I M O R T O N, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Tumblr, all everywhere. of the social media, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> and uh, you can find Mentality at Mentality Talk on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and Mentality Talk at gmail.com. Uh, please. please email us if you want to continue the discussion and have any questions for Katie, for us, or just for about the book or what, what's going on with your mental health because we really, really care. So. Yeah. My name is Camera. You can find me at Camouflage on Instagram. Otherwise, I don't really do social media too much. Fun life. Yes, <laughs> that's fair. And, yeah. and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all those at EPSEC, E-P-S-E-C-H. And I'd li- like to thank the studio that we're recording at today, the Network Studios. This has been such a wonderful studio to record at. Yes, thank you so much. We really And they have cute it. dogs. Yes. Yeah, there's also dogs. Come say hi to the dogs. <laughs> Check out the Network Studios in Culver City. They're yes. Great. So th- this has been a wonderful, wonderful interview thank yeah. you so much for coming on and of sharing. course katie really appreciate yeah, it yeah thanks for having me and the me. book is called are you okay? okay thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day